electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Something for everyone today, a bumper profits at the banks and some encouraging commentary, but retail sales dropped twice as much as expected. Uh, six negative reads now in the past nine months. Even so, yields pop two years back to 4-1. Our roadmap begins with the bank's health check post-SVB. Got J.P. Morgan, Wells, City, PNC, all with results. J.P.M. blowing past estimates. Plus, it isn't just the banks. Two other big Dow components are also on the move this morning. United Health is topping forecasts. It raises guidance. While we're keeping an eye on Boeing, because it has halted the 737 MAX deliveries due to a supplier issue. And Bob Iger says he's up for meeting Florida Governor DeSantis to hash out that ongoing feud about Disney and Let's begin with a closer look at these bank earnings. Uh, not as much turmoil, Jim, maybe as some expected. Uh, swaps now pricing in 90% chance of a May hike. Is that what futures are reflecting now? Yeah, look, I, when you go through the large banks, which were the huge beneficiaries, if every one of those banks in there uh, are we're just giant beneficiaries of what happened. So if you're going to base what's, uh, what to do, uh, <laughs> or if you're the Fed on those five companies, that's completely wrong. It's, it's the 4,995 others. Uh, if you base it on retail sales, then you uh, can't raise because retail sales are weak. If you base it on the idea that we're out of the woods, then you can raise. Because just because the the, region, the, the regionals don't have good earnings, the, the system is very, very strong. And I think you can do a quarter point. I don't want to do a quarter point because I still want to see what happens uh, with, with payrolls. I want to see what happens. But you just saw that with retail. But these banks signify, if you think there was a problem in the system, don't worry about it. Right. Is it fair to single out JPM as the strongest? JPM's unbelievable. Uh, the net interest income that these guys are making is it's amazing. But I've got to tell you, I thought Wells was really fabulous. Uh, City was much better than expected. Uh, David, I think that what we're seeing is that there was a period going into the banks where we didn't think there was as much bifurcation. And we just said banks are awful because of the uh, March crisis. And the answer is, is there was banks that we haven't seen yet that were awful. Uh, here's what happened if you were in a bank that was big. You got more money in and you made money on it. Right. Although that is not a secret. We knew that that was well, happening. We talked about it every I mean, single day. It was a secret to somebody. Uh, well, I guess perhaps there was not quite enough accounting for the increase in net interest income. Well, there was wrong about this uh, as they were going into and, March. And to your point for J.P. Morgan in particular, the guidance on net interest income was uh, yeah. was far better than expectations. Yes. Uh, and obviously on all the uh, on virtually every other metric, they did come in uh, very well. But yeah, 20.7 billion of net interest income, obviously better deposit flows a part of that. Well, now, that was what I'm saying. J.P. Morgan, like every one of these banks, is still uh, dealing with deposits leaving for higher interest opportunities, as we know. I mean, if you keep your money at J.P. Morgan, you're getting virtually nothing versus what you can still get on a treasury where you can get paid as much as 5% in certain areas. So 
Yeah, that's still <laughs> happening, but they got a lot more given the turmoil right. that we talked about every day, every hour for that two-week period or so with the collapse of SVB, Signature Bank, and the right. concerns over the bank industry. But David, no doubt about it. And they did, talk about it. Yeah, you know, the CFO right. says average deposits down 3% in the quarter while end-of-period deposits up 2%, right. uh, implying an intra-quarter reversal of the recent outflow trend as a consequence right. of, uh, of margin events. But the meteorological forecast this time has dropped from Hurricane? Uh, now it's just storm clouds that are gathering. Is it? David, storm yeah. clouds. Now, no, if you're, although, you don't need a weatherman to know it's the wind blows. We know that from, a, from the famous, it was at Warren Buffett. But this is not, uh, a storm cloud puts me in a better footing. I get an umbrella, I can ride through it. These other things that he was talking about, David, were, I, I, were, were Although trending. the firm's macroeconomic scenarios and an, uh, and an increased probability of a moderate recession due to tightening financial conditions. Right. That's in the release as well. That's the reason in terms of the provision for credit losses, 2.3 billion, they had 1.1 billion of charge-offs. Again, JP Morgan is right. what we're talking about here, and a reserve build of 1.1 billion. Uh, and the reason again was what they do cite is deterioration in the weighted average economic outlook, including updates to the firm's macroeconomic scenarios. But you know, look, they all, I mean, Wells did. Wells had, is not as worried. JP Morgan is a huge bank, and they're going to have some recognition. I mean, Carl, we, we, every day we look at companies that, are, that we're worried about that might go under. We start seeing we have white-collar recession. We obviously have commercial real estate hurting. If that's all the loan loss they have, then once again, if you're on the Fed, if you're one of these uh, governors who said, I, am, uh, I think we have to tighten, all you feel like today is, I feel even more emboldened that we have to tighten. Yeah, uh, JPM charge-offs. Are still over a full point below 2019. Oh, they're unbelievable. That's why they talk about a consumer with excess cash recession. They still see, but might be pushed off a bit. Yeah, that was and, interesting. And I call. remember when you when you look at the return on common equity and you look at the CET one ratios. I mean, David, there was a time when we, we were worried about every one of these things. Can I just state? Well, let me put my American hat on for a second. Are there any banks other than Santander in the whole darn world that even look anything like this? No, listen, if you want to compare U.S. banks to the European banking well, system, you're, you're, you're going to be very disappointed by the European banking system. But it's back, are we back to, to 1900 when J.P. Morgan was king and the other Europeans were vassals? Perhaps. I mean, the balance sheets versus the market caps of the European banks are staggering. Deutsche Bank, what, it's got a $2.5 trillion balance sheet and a $25 billion market cap? Correct me on those numbers because they were just out of my head, but... I think that's directionally right. Yeah, it's a very different scenario here. That said, I don't think anybody was questioning the health of the big banks during the crisis. No, there, there is still that overriding concern that I mention almost every day here, which is that you can have deposit flight that takes place in a matter of hours that can be stunning and can literally wipe your bank out. <laughs> well, we know that. And we also know that th that was the least sticky of deposits. But we took down, the market took down Schwab. It's got the most sticky of deposits. But has, yeah, but, the, but people wonder about Schwab in terms of what they're actually paying on a lot of those accounts and whether they're continuing to see things flee, right? Absolutely, they're still worried. Nothing, but all they're looking at is the stock's doing a little better, so they think that it must be okay. This whole queue, this is a moment, Carl, where people look at the stock and say, oh, we're fine, without based on any homework. Uh, I, I think that, I, I have felt that Schwab was fine for, you know, but I, I and as David said, it's a minute-to-minute -minute thing for some of these. But it's not for J.P. Morgan because the money tends to head to J.P. Morgan. Or, by the way, it heads to BlackRock. Yep. Let's, not, let's not leave BlackRock out of the We're going to talk to Larry. Or City or oh, we've got to get to a lot. Yeah, we don't Sorry, have City. No, no. We, have, we, have, 
Larry Fink. We don't have sympathy. No, I understand, but we haven't talked about You're going to stick around for Larry, by the way, Jim? I wouldn't miss it for the world. Yeah. Uh, that's coming up in the next hour, I believe. He does think that the the migration to money markets is going to continue. Yes, for the long he has term. a great story, and I think that people might look at it and say, "Well, listen, it just uh, they didn't have a lot of money come in, they didn't have a big increase in the amount of money because the market wasn't good." But I just think that we absolutely have to love what's going on there in terms of a longer term view of, of outsourcing of pension funds to them. People really trusting him. Hey, we see we just got a, a more Jamie Dimon. So he's he says, now saying deep breath. Yeah, he says on the call here that uh, the SVB collapse does not have to result in a, quote, revamp of regulation. Uh, take a listen to this. We're hoping that everyone just takes a deep breath and looks at what happened and the breadth and depth of regulations already in place. You know, obviously, when something happens like this, you should adjust think about it. So I think down the road, there may be some limitations on health to maturity, uh, maybe more TLAC for certain type size banks and more scrutiny on interest rate exposure and stuff like that. But it doesn't have to be a revamp of the whole system. It's just recalibrating things the right way. They say they're, quote, not terribly concerned about CRE, for example. I know. And we're getting that from a lot. Wells isn't. Wells has San Francisco and New York. They're not yeah. concerned. They have a lot of A buildings. Well, and, you know, Scott Reckler yesterday from RxR, who's been a guest frequently and is one of the larger developers here or, uh, in the New York area and around the country, says A is okay. A is okay. A is okay. A is okay. That's A-okay. my words, but that's basically no, what I'm saying. And we've seen too. it. And the tenants are flocking to A. It's the older stuff that's really in trouble. But I it say? doesn't mean you got $280 billion coming due this year. you got $1.5 trillion over the next three years. All of it's going to adjust significantly higher, and there is there are questions as to what that's going to look like for commercial real estate. Obviously, not all of it is office space related. In fact, I think it's only $80 billion this well, year we, office space related. The banks worried? probably have the reserves to handle it well, I mean, and we, or the ability to do. try to refinance and or restructure, I should say, a lot of these loans, which are going to need restructuring. Okay, but how about the smaller regionals that have that's that a bigger, have, uh, San Francisco That's a bigger estate. question. Right. I think that's that's what, a, look, I mean, this is a false tell. Is what I'm these, these banks... If you're the Fed, you're looking at these banks, and that's absolutely great because these banks can, if they have to, PNC can go by 10 other banks. I mean, PNC had a good number. But I still, do I want to know what's going to happen with First Republic? I don't feel any better about First Republic when I look at these numbers. I mean, what? No one's going to want to buy First Republic. The reason why the numbers are good is because they're not buying First Republic. Aren't there, isn't there a stable of people who could start bidding for assets once there's more clarity? The Truists, uh, the U.S. Bank Corps, no? People with capital? Uh, I think that those tend to run more scared. I don't think that they uh, want to get in the way of something that they that makes it so that there's suddenly more yeah. scrutiny for them. The conundrum for First Republic, and by the way, they did nothing wrong there. They simply made a lot of mortgages at far lower interest rates. And so you're well, sitting did, on a portfolio they, they, well, that probably they, they, yields 2.6% right. okay. with rates where they are right now and their need to pay depositors a lot more. We've talked about it many, many times. The problem for any bank that would consider perhaps coming there and taking a look is the fact that you've got to still take a significant hit to your book value in writing down well, well, that's why that mortgage portfolio, for example, and that just makes it very difficult to do. And that's the struggle here, Carl, is that if you're Truist or U.S. Bank, you say, well, you know what, I've got a pretty good situation but, now with my mortgages. But you know what, if First but, Republic were to, find, were to enter receivership at some oh, point. Oh, David. Like, no, listen, just if it were to happen. Um, We've, we're going to have earnings behind us. People are going to feel more confident. It doesn't mean that it's going to cause another leg in a crisis. No, I agree with that. It's not good. Well, I think what we're seeing today, Carl, is the banks right now are not going to be the reason 
why the, why the Fed should stay its hand. The, the banks that we're seeing on our screen, not this, not the regionals, but the, the majors, they don't make, if, if you were saying that we think that we should tighten another quarter point, you could say, listen, now it's just a given. The question is whether we should do half and try to put an end to it. So, I mean, this kind of does wreck the thesis that we had about three weeks ago. Which was? Which was, there's such a crisis, they'd be crazy. They can't afford. Doing it. I still think that there's a big, big imputed tightening. I am not in favor of a quarter point increase. I don't think that these banks are, rep- are representative of what can go wrong. I don't. Well, David. you heard Goolsby. Uh, you know, he said, I mean, he did mention watching credit tightening is certainly one right. of the key things. But everybody's watching. Nobody yet has the answer in terms of what the impact's going to be. Well, well, but if it's tightening, then it's the answer is it's not going to the growth's not going to be there. Well, and now in terms of banks that are, are pausing, we got Singapore last night and South Korea and India and Australia and Canada uh, all on pause. Are we going to join? That's the question. Yeah, these companies, these, these countries that don't have it as bad. You know, their economies are nowhere nearly as strong as we are for the most part. Our economy is very strong. But we, have, we had a couple of banks that really screwed up. And we have a, a Fed rate increase that's making people pull back a little. Yeah. Well, um, sure, and, they should pull back. But I, mean, I, I, I have. And a continued focus on inflation. There are many who believe it is coming down and coming down materially. Retail Austin Goolsby, by the way, perhaps amongst them. Take a listen. I think inflation is coming down. We've, got, we've still got this. Is it a cloud? It's probably not a cloud anymore. But this, this issue of how much is coming from demand and how much from supply. You've seen the supply chain constraints easing across a lot of sectors. So that's been helping bring inflation down, but you've still got clear stickiness on some parts of the prices. I think when you see the producer prices coming in as big negative numbers, and you see these negatives on retail sales, you don't want to overreact to short run news, but it it feels like that's moving in the right direction. Not just producer prices, Jim, but now import prices this morning down four, six in a year. No, look, I think these numbers say that, geez, let's just wait. But then I've got, I had Stuart Miller on last night, executive chairman of Lenar, and Lenar, one of the top three home builders in the country. And what they would tell you is, look, if you're looking for our industry to be hurt by this, forget about it. We just don't have enough homes. Uh, we uh, rates, some people are a little insensitive to rates. They want to get outside of their parents, basically, and have their own house. And if the Fed is keying on homes, then the Fed has to tighten more. And yet every time they tighten, the long rates go down. So it's, it just, it's a losing battle to try to cool housing. It's just a losing battle. The municipalities won't let you build like they used to. So stop focusing on housing and start focusing on uh, wage growth. But don't look at the, if you're thinking, wow, housing's starting to come down. Forget about it. So it's not about housing. Wages, three-month average is at a, at least a year low. What are they focused on then? Markets? Well, I, I, think they're, I, th- I think they're still focused on how much it costs to just live day to day. I, David, I think they're focused on the supermarket, restaurant. They're focused on uh, what it costs to run a car, uh, what your daily life is. And your daily life is more expensive than it was three years ago. And you, substantially. You, substantially. Substantially. And that's what matters. It's two bucks for my cup of coffee from my guy. It used to be a buck fifty. You got to switch to my guy. There it goes. My guy's two bucks. He's, but it's yeah, my guy's two bucks also. But, but he my, was buck fifty. 
before the pandemic. Your guy was catching up. My guy was a price leader. Your he was. Guy? My guy was low. <laughs> We're getting even more data as we speak. Industrial production. Let's get back to a very busy Rick Santelli today. Rick? Yes, our March read on industrial production. Expecting up two tenths. Hey, we get something a little higher than expected. Up four tenths. Twice the expectations. Up four tenths. And four-tenths equals the read in January to find a higher read. You have to go back to July of last year. 79.8 on utilization. Now, this is interesting because we're expecting 79.1, and utilization rates have really been on the weak side. But this is a respectable pop. Actually, this is the highest utilization rate since November of last year, which isn't a long time but do keep in mind that the end of last year, uh, we had a, a utilization rate that was the weakest going back over a year plus into the previous year. So watching this come back, many are talking that it's possible some of the weakness in manufacturing may, may be in the rearview mirror. Time will tell. Also seeing nice positive revisions to last month's industrial production from unchanged to up two tenths and utilization rates from 78 last month to 79.6. So this is good news. Rates have popped a bit. Much of the pop in rates is counterintuitive. Many of the European Central, uh, many speakers of the European Central Bank say balance sheet reduction has to get more regressive, and that's probably what's moving markets. Squawk on the street will return after a short break. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Boeing is down sharply in the pre-market. The company warning it will likely reduce 737 MAX production and deliveries due to this parts issue involving Spirit Aerosystems. Boeing says the supplier informed it that a non-standard manufacturing process was used on two fittings uh, regarding the fuselage and the uh, vertical stabilizer. The jet maker did say this is not a flight safety issue, Jim, but SPR down 10 pre-market. Well, look. Uh, 14. To say that these guys didn't see this coming is a, an incredible understatement. I, I think that even 48 hours ago, they would tell you that we're finally back. It's all good. The order book is amazing. Well, I'm talking about 48 hours ago. So this is one of those things where you wake up and you work at Boeing and you're just saying, are you kidding? No. But they, did it, they outsource so much that they put, them, they, 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 they put themselves in the hands of other companies that may be, uh, it wasn't the old Boeing. Boeing didn't used to do that. Did they not do that previously? I mean, no, I thought their well, I thought that their core competency is taking all these huge supply chains and making no, it all no, work and putting they, it all they, together. They really did that. Uh, the partnership deal that where you basically did well if you you made more money if things were good and you screwed up you get you got punished. But 
but David, they seem to have less control of their destiny than most companies. Why do you say that? What does that mean? Because when you you can't sit down with someone and say, "Listen, everything's great," and then two days later, everything's not great. And so that is that. that I sense that some, almost from personal experience. Meanwhile, others are looking at what it means for airlines' ability to get fresh aircraft, Jim, uh, at a time where they well, need it. They do have others that aren't spirit. Well, I'm just saying incrementally, but, those oh, no, who are no, counting no, on... Everyone needs yeah, more planes. Yeah. Everybody. And uh, the world's short planes, China's short planes, Europe's short planes. Everyone needs more planes. Uh, but I, I increasingly just say, okay, if you really feel that way, just just go to Larry Cole. Just go to GE, okay? And GE, the, GE Healthcare, by the way, is doing magnificently... GE, uh, the energy business is not really uh, what I call as stable as I'd like, but GE Aerospace is on fire. You mean as an investor, just go to GE to play it as a way to play the growth well, in aerospace? Well, you can't fly in a GE engine. <laughs> well, I mean, unless you're in that mo- monkey's paw one, remember that sure. one, the Twilight Zone? The way you made that transition, that? not that, of course, you don't always do this, you would have thought that GE made airplanes. GE's got a really good business, and it's time to rethink your Boeing position. GE's got 102 market billion market value, but it trades at a huge multiple. Larry, you know that, right? Well, you see, because it's going to do better next year. So the multiple is elusive and will turn out to be much lower. And Larry Kolb is doing it. A 40, lot of people... 47 times. I remember those days, by the way. Those were Jack Welsh years. That's unfair. What do you mean? Late late 90s? I am telling or you that the multiple is going to be, you get rid of Aeros, when you get rid of energy. Of course, we had a $600 billion I mean, market value. When you offload energy and you just look at GE Aerospace, you're going to say, you know what? This is the way to be in. Not Raytheon Technologies, because we may let, you know, Ukraine, a lot of people worried about air, a lot of people worried about air supremacy by the Explore uh, this a little more, Carl. This newfound love of GE yes. from, our, uh, from our friend here. Yes. Come full circle. Yeah, he has. He's come a long way. Larry Culp coming on Mad Money soon? Depends on how I feel. <laughs> yes, let, me, let me text him. Take a look at futures here this morning. Obviously, a lot to absorb, whether it's the bank earnings, uh, the eco data, and we're not done, by the way, or the Fed speak. Dollar did get a bounce on uh, industrial production. Uh, still on pace, though, for the worst week since mid-January. And, of course, we'll talk about all of that with Larry Fink coming up in the next hour. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. All right, let's get to a mad dash with Jim as we count down an opening box. you got a very little, very short amount of time here, so squeeze right, it in. I, I'm looking at BNR fatigue, David, with UNH. That's beat and raise fatigue. They did a beat and raise. They always do beat and raise. I'm sick of beat and raise. People are sick of beat and raise. Stock's down on beat and raise. Okay, I'm done. UNH. Stock's down. I do always like to point out the market value of United Healthcare, which is about half a, half a trillion dollars. Not a bad business. Optum is such a great business. They made 54 billion. But David, people just want more than just beat and raise. They went super deep, duper beat and raise, and Jamie Dimon gave them that. That's what Jamie Dimon did. King Jamie. Let's get to the opening bell here in the CNBC Real Time Exchange. And it's the big board. Today, it is the past 
and the creators of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, the Amazon comedy kicking off its fifth and final season. I think three episodes dropped today. We're going to talk to showrunners Amy Sherman Palladino and Dan Palladino and Rachel Brosnahan, I think, later on this morning. We talk a lot about streaming, and Amazon's strategy is well, pretty unique. Yeah, look, there was a piece out by uh, our, our friend uh, Nathanson, Mark Nathanson, yeah. talking about maybe there's a what little streaming. What a great streaming. cast that is, by the way. Just a great cast. Sorry. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I, don't, I didn't mean to bring it back to business. Go ahead. No, I just, it's a, they're a no, great group. They are a great group. I love that beef show. You're right now. You're number one in the but, country's beef. Yes, uh, Amazon has an interesting approach because they're not really... Did you We're, watch Amazon It's not yesterday? central to the business model of the company. They talked about Thursday Night Football. Yes. They finally gave them some games worth watching. But can I just tell you, the real announcers always say the same thing. These guys are real tired when they play on Thursday I night. I know. I know. But, but, but David, I do, I do want to point out the Nathanson piece. Yes. Uh, it's Silicon Valley Bank. They still write for them. Yes. Um, there's just a lot of streaming fatigue. There is a lot of streaming uh, fatigue. fatigued about it. Why, what are people not that fatigued is, about? That is what you hear. They are just, you fatigued? Well, no, I'm not fatigued. people want to get out. They're not necessarily, there's not an expectation for enormous sub-growth here, here in the United States. Netflix is going to report on Tuesday. We'll have people plenty of time to talk weak. about it Wednesday morning. Look at this market coming and, and down. And see what the numbers look like. People are fatigued about um, the bull. So the banks are not enough to sort of pull the market higher, Jim? No. Why not? Tech's down there. Remember, the Nasdaq was up uh, almost 2% yesterday. So we're seeing a little pullback, reflexive pullback, I would call it. That's a good point. Because there was nothing from tech that was supporting Interestingly, of course, the banks are very strong, as we said uh, they would be this on what were strong numbers from J.P. Morgan, Citi, Wells Fargo. Uh, we haven't PNC. talked really PNC or Wells Fargo or Citi as much as we talked JPM, which is the leader right now, up 5.5%. You see it right there. Um, even with Jamie Dimon positioning the bank, it would seem, for higher and longer, he continues, to, uh, he continues to say that rates, in his opinion at least, will stay higher longer. Take a listen. People need to be prepared for the potential of higher rates for longer. If and when that happens, it will undress problems in the economy for those who are too exposed to floating rates or those who are too exposed to refi risk. That's, those exposures will be in multiple parts of the economy. We saw, um, we saw the beginning of that exposure, or at least the fir- uh, with SVB, of course, but he seems to believe that as time goes on and you stay, longer, you stay higher for longer, you do expose even more pot- potential risks. And part of his statement is to say, let's deal with those kinds of things now before they become we're, a problem. We're stuck commercial here. real estate amongst them, one would expect. Look, commercial, you, you go, I mean, again, I'm re- referring to Stuart Miller, uh, Lenar, the South is incredibly strong. The East is very strong. New York City, yes, has a problem. San Francisco, Seattle, they have problems. Portland has problems, okay? Those are the epicenter, and we're not used to that because it's been, there's been such great markets for so long. Uh, on the call, uh, we're not running around aggressively tightening standards right now. Uh, I wouldn't use the word credit crunch if I were you, but they're talking about themselves, really, right? Well, I mean, look, we're talking about the biggest single beneficiary of what happened in March. And for us to take our cue from the company that did the best, that literally basically asserted itself as being the one bank in this country that is equal to the U.S. government in terms of I'm, I'm over here. No, I'm, I'm saying that the, 
JP Morgan. I can listen to you and read at the same time. Oh, okay? really? Yes. How about chewing some gum? I have and developed, maybe, and maybe throw I have developed that skill. I can also not listen to you. Did you? Actually. Did someone I've say, developed listen, that skill as well. Do you have shoelaces? Did they take away your shoelaces? No. I know they took away your tie. Um, I, I'm talking about JP Morgan as being here, yeah. and then everybody else is here, I was except gonna, for these guys I was going to share the, being the beneficiary. They did retain $50 billion of deposit inflows right. from that trend we saw at the beginning of right. March where a lot of outflows from other banks benefited uh, J.P. Morgan. They do still assume modest deposit outflows, modest deposit outflows from here, including so some of those BlackRock. retained deposits. Probably going to BlackRock, Maybe. Of which we have, by the way. We have Larry Fink coming up. We do. Soon. I think the money goes to BlackRock. Amazing. Those of us who had giant, you know. Jim, we haven't talked about a lot of the other banks. Whether it's, I don't know if you want to do well, Citi, PNC. I mean, Citi's up about 1.8%. Well, Citi, you and I have talked off camera about the tangible book value being so far above where the stock price is and why that would be the case. I don't understand it. Um, And most of the bankers I talk to do not understand it. And they always say, Jim, when you have... Uh, city on, why don't you pin them down on that? And I say, well, I don't have city. They're not coming on. I would like to know. Uh, efficiency? Capital higher? No, I want to know about the disparity. Um, hey, tangible way, book see, value, $84.21 well, at quarter end. A disparity so that must be. 84.21, and you've got a $48 stock. Almost price. all the banks, by the way, just so people know, have a book value that is. That is not nearly as high as their stock price. Now, David, Wells Fargo, I could see that Charlie Scharf, uh, the CEO, he bought back $4 billion at 46, and the stock at 40, my chapel trust owns it, I'm gonna buy Wells Fargo. I thought the quarter of Wells Fargo, and I can go line by line, was very, very impressive. Charlie Scharf is back. The Charlie Scharf that we all knew and loved is back. Okay, light. Wait. Did we all there. knew and loved him? I changed when did we light. do that? Well, I don't know. All right. I kind of like him. I don't have a bank of Pegasus for I don't have an opinion. Seems like a nice enough guy. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't go that I far. I spent a little time. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I wouldn't um, either. Uh, nice. Nice. Nice enough. Nice enough. Amy, his wife is great. Yes. I mean, yeah, look, we have friends. Periodically, we have friends in real life. And it's very disturbing. And I do my best to blow them off and lose them. But they're hard to shake. <laughs> Over Wells. Uh, now, David, the, the average loans right in line there, the average deposits right in line. Aren't you used to Wells Fargo disappointing on pretty much every single line? It's been a while well, since didn't they happen. didn't do that. Yeah. It didn't happen this time. Where's the provision for nut job regulators who hate them? This is the NJRWHT. But it's not here. They've eliminated that line. Yeah, they eliminate the nut job regulators who hate them. Yeah. There were about 14 different... They had regulatory bodies. I mean, I think that the Motor Vehicles Department was after them at one point. Uh, bank index is uh, about a one-month high. City above the uh, 50 and the 200-day for the first time since That's about incredible. March 9th. Jim, uh, you mentioned uh, ex- you know, efficiency. City efficiency ratio 62. Uh, is, is an indication than, of some expense control. Yeah, that's better than Wells Fargo, around 66, and I want to see that Wells Fargo expense. I always think that Wells, the reason, one of the reasons I'm focused on Wells Fargo is that was Warren Buffett's bank. And, wow, I mean, there, Warren Buffett was obviously not on there saying, I think you ought to do this and do that. They, they were a rogue bank. They were a rogue bank, and one of the largest banks in the country that rogue. Right. 
we should point out net interest income for many of these banks was higher than expected, and yeah. the guide is higher. Right. It's certainly helping J.P. Morgan, I'm glad you but it was it also out. the case at Citi as well. Better growth in revenue expenses, but also yeah. uh, 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 revenue than expenses, yeah. I should yeah. say. You're very but right. as well, net interest income uh, well, came in stronger. Uh, look, I'm, I'm looking at net interest income for, uh, for J.P. Morgan at 20, 20 billion. For uh, net interest income for Wells, you got 13.3. I was looking for 12.6. I mean, these are these are remarkable. Uh, after a while, though, what's going to happen is you're going to see all week you'll see some banks that aren't as strong, and then people say, "Wow, why did we pay up?" Six percent for J.P. Morgan. I don't think that. I think J.P. Morgan is a terrific, terrific bank, but it, they're not. It's not a tech stock that just uh, figured out how to fire one quarter of its people and continue its Instagram. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned earlier uh, beaten raise fatigue. We've yeah, got I've about got twenty it. names so far this earnings season. Nineteen have beat, and that explains why we've come into this earnings season relatively hot well, relative see, to, I, compared to prior look, earnings cycles. I've seen so many people sit right over there. We have two empty chairs, so it's really interesting. And say, you know, you, you know earnings are going to be down 5 to 7%. And I always say, okay, so what did you do that you knew that? Did you sit down with the SP 500? I've actually tried to do it, believe it or not. There's 250 uh, companies the SP 500 are down from two years ago and tried to figure out their actual earnings. And I mean, I, this is something I do at, you know, where my wife says, what are you doing? Well, I'm trying to figure out the actual earnings. She's go to bed. You get, you know, the day it's down five to seven. Even she knows it's down five to seven. I think Ragu knows it's down five to seven, but morally does not know because he's stupid as wood. He doesn't hit his head in the window anymore. Thank God. I mean, she's that was painful. But no, I mean, every, this down five to seven narrative's got to stop, Paul. And I'm stopping it right here. So when you have someone who comes, you know, earnings be down five to seven, I think you should say what you said, which is that we haven't seen that yet, and see it. It doesn't hold up under close scrutiny. It just doesn't. Uh, that said, there's going to be a, some companies, Jim, that don't turn a profit who were who see their runway shortened. We mentioned Rivian and Lucid, and well, uh, in the light of I, the Tesla price cuts now and some of these production numbers. Look, the companies that came public in the last two years, uh, I'm going to call them, David, the Sweet Bean Allbird component. Yeah. No. Warby Parker. Neither of those delivered. No. No. I mean, these companies that came public, Carl. And the SPACs. I mean, they're, all, they're like funny. They're funny. They're um, comedy club. Yeah. Cheese down 30 cents. Aren't you going to come after me? Uh, no, I'm not going to come after you yet. Not yet. Um, by the way, speaking of, I mean, what? I know this is apropos of absolutely nothing, but you're talking about SPACs, and we talk a lot about commercial real estate. Have yeah. you taken a look at WeWork? I know this is we out of nowhere. Is, we work. Do we have it's, a chart? It's way too early there. W E. It's way too early. It's actually early. up. It's fifty-four cents. Fifty-four cents. Fifty-four cents. There it is. Wow. Fifty-four. So that's the difference between the cup that's, of coffee. That's recent. You're up there with the coffee. Go back a little bit longer, guys, because we can take a look well, at the was, year. Look, they screwed. They screwed you. They managed to come public. I'm sorry. They, they figured out a way. You. I don't know what they did, but they, you know, they brought you, they brought it public. Adam Newman's stake originally was seven hundred million bucks. I think it's about thirty-five okay, million so now. Okay, so here's a quiz for you, Mr. Genius. What did Jamie Dimon in the series bring? Adam Newman. I don't. I haven't gotten to that. The 1942 tequila, right, which he, he at 10:30 when I went to see Adam, he brings it out. He goes, "It's time." I said, "What? It's time for tequila." I said, "It's 10:30." I said, "What are we going to have for the locks and bagels?" I said, "But no, no." I, I, I and then I walked out and I said, "Every single share of this must go away because it's just not right to serve the 1942." I think you maybe served the salsa. Maybe it served the, um, 
I, David, I would never bring out the 42 that early. No, I think I think you're right. Now, in the mo- in the series, the guy who played Jamie Dimon looked exactly like Jamie Dimon, but I do not believe that Jamie Dimon brought the 1942, which is you know $300 a bottle. Yep. Some say 400 if you overpay. This we work, David. It was it was an abomination that was just there to take people's money away. Because it was the halcyon it's days been, of, uh, of taking been, people's It's been money a lot away. of pain for a lot of people, including, by the way, SoftBank, let's not forget, which was the major backer of the company. Don't cry for me, SoftBank. No. Holding 41.50, Jim, I mean, I, I wonder what levels you think are important here. Look, I just think yesterday was really a remarkable day. Uh, two days ago, it was really amazing. At 2.30, there was some ECB clown that did something. Who knows? After have to ask Sarah. Uh, to, to, and the market dropped. And at the end of the day, I heard that we're back in the bear. We're back in the bear market, Jim. No, we're not back in the bear market. That's no longer the case. That ended. All we are looking at is the various days, things look great. And yesterday was an amazing day for the NASDAQ. Incredible day. You had Andrew Jassy basically saying um, that... AWS is going to slow. Right. And nobody cared. No, nobody cared. The stock was up. I mean, are you kidding? It, that interview was like, I, I got to sell my, I should sell my Amazon. They're not selling, you know, 27,000 people laid off. Now, maybe if Edwin's. each one of those was making 5.8 million, I tried to do the back of the envelope, then that, that's going to save it. That's what it would have needed to be? 5.8 million. 5.8 million for the 27,000? Yes. Otherwise, they're not going to get to well, the numbers you think they should. What they would tell you is, Jim, you want to close those warehouses, those people make a fraction of what the 27,000. It's true. Those are the much higher being higher paid executives that they're for. But Jassy did not talk about the year of efficiency, or the he's still in the year of living dangerously. Retail sales definitely in some sharp relief today. Uh, that figure, even ex-auto, as we said earlier, six to nine months have now been negative. When we come back, uh, the cast and creators of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, fresh from ringing the opening bell here at the big board, the Amazon comedy kicking off its final season today. Take a look at how treasuries are faring after all of the data and the Fed speak, and we still got uh, inventories and consumer sentiment coming out in about 15 minutes. We mentioned earlier the cast of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is here at the exchange. Welcome, guys. Absolutely fabulous to have you. The fifth and final season dropping today with three episodes, of course, on Amazon, and then one a week after that. Amy Sherman-Palladino is with us, Daniel Sherman-Palladino, and Rachel Brosnahan, along with, as we said, the entire cast. Last night, I got a box from Amazon at my household. Was it pink? It was pink. All right. And there was the Maisel logo. And I thought to myself, you can't pay for that kind of marketing. Well, you can. There's, we, we got a bill, but um, uh, no, I mean, it is It is like when you get the box, it's like, we got the box. So like, then you know like uh, that they're taking it a little seriously. How do you know? I mean, the show was such a phenomenon from the very beginning. How, do you, how did you know when it was time to say goodbye? Um, oh God, is it time to say goodbye? Um, uh, I don't know. You know, I'm still, um, processing the fact that I, that we're saying goodbye. So there's a lot of like therapy involved and like deep breathing and yoga. Um, but you know, we, we made the decision and then we all sort of jumped on board and, and, uh, it's, we're very, very proud of our cast and our crew who like came through like gangbusters. I still remember the initial Golden Globes. We saw Jeff Bezos in the audience and we talked about Amazon during the break. Can you just give us some color on on how they are dealing with (laughs) the creative community? Are they any different than you might see at a Netflix or a Disney Plus? 
Well, Jeff himself is a fantastic laugher, which I've always yeah, appreciated. Yeah, he's a good laugher. Yeah. Uh, getting a laugh from Jeff Bezos was kind of fun. Um, they've been great. I mean, it's it's this world is such a it's it's so less constricted than when Amy and I started out in the network world. When we were doing half hour, very very formulated. Always tried to pitch new stuff. Always kind of got our new stuff rejected. So when the world expanded through cable and streaming, it just became a, a, a much better place for different kinds of stories to get out there. People with different identities to tell those stories. And just to appeal to a, a, a breadth of audience that the networks were not at the time. Rachel, uh, I know you've talked a lot about Midge and sort of what she represents, right? BDE, I think is how you described it uh, <laughs> an interview a few, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Talk about what it's just been like doing this ride. Again, you're no stranger to streaming either. No, it's been completely surreal. I mean, I've said it before, but we've all been a part of things that we're so proud of with teams that we love that just never find an audience like this one. And so we've just felt so uplifted over the course of these five seasons and get to work with the best people in the world. I just have been counting my lucky stars for five years, and we're not quite ready to say goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking earlier during the break about, about Gilmore Girls, really, which sure. continues to have huge sure. life. For, for generations that are growing up today. Um, when you think about, as you said, those early days in sort of linear television, are, are there things that you think will survive? Or are we moving on to a completely new world where it's about uh, streaming analytics and monetizing things around the world? Uh, I mean, for example, you guys are being translated into all kinds of languages. <laughs> we are. Um, you know, look, good content is is good content, and and if and if anybody puts something good and entertaining out there, people will watch it. So it, it's you can't say like, oh, the networks, see ya, suckers. It's it just it's they because every now and then they throw something out there, and you're like, well, that's really good, and everybody gets to watch it. And the wonderful thing about network television is it's it's broad based, more episodes. Like there's great things that go with it, but the streaming world has opened up a a, a portal to stories that no never would have been told and creators who never could have told their stories and actors who never got that shot to like be on those network billboards and that alone it just means that everything's going to get better um do you think does the street i, I guess does wall street or people who watch the business side need to worry about labor strife at this point or do you think that gets settled Regarding, regarding streamers and writers. Oh, you might be asking the wrong person. Yeah. Oh, you're asking us? Oh, well, um, grab a pitchfork. No, I don't know. You, 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 you uh, we never don't know. know. It's like the, the, I, I've been through two, two strikes. Um, there's always, uh, there's, there's always a, a conversation going on between the unions and the executives in Hollywood. Um, you never want to strike. But, um, yeah, it's, it, these things are unpredictable. You just keep working until it does, someone tells you you can. It does feel like the time, though, to really everybody buckle down and figure out this streaming world and set a template going forward because it's crazy bananas out there. People are not getting compensated properly. But it's just because I think it hit so fast. It, it came out of left field. Nobody anticipated it taking over the world quite like this. Right. So I think it's time, kids, get to the table. Let's figure this out because after COVID, nobody wants to go out on the street. Everybody right. wants to be with their buds in a soundstage with coffee and weird <laughs> curls in their hair. Right, Tony? Right. <laughs> yeah. Tony Shalhoub. Um, guys, we're so happy for all of you. Congratulations on season five. And we look forward to starting watching tonight. Uh, the cast of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. We're going to be back. Uh, Kramer's going to stick around for Black Rock and Larry Fink. Don't go away. 
You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 